HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the Heritage Radio Network in Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Calling all of your questions to 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. Nastasha the Hammer Lopez is currently en route from Chicago at the James Beard Awards, but we are joined in the studio today with Peter Kim, the tell you, president, director. Uh, galactic emperor, man, I told you. Lawyer, lawyer emeritus. Yeah. You yeah. are actually the lawyer emeritus. I am the lawyer emeritus, yeah. Yes, of yeah. the Museum of Food and Drink. Basically, so, you are looking for a legal counsel to justify all of your nefarious actions. Not on the air, Peter, not uh, on the yes. air. And uh, Veronica, who's a new uh, intern at the museum and uh, hails originally, I guess, from Brazil, but is currently living in Miami. Yes, sir. Yeah, it feels in here like Miami. It feels in this room like we're in Miami. I'm bringing some sunshine to New York. Yeah, or more the humidity and the sulfur stink. That's the other thing people don't realize. They've never been to Florida is the entire place smells of sulfurous groundwater. Or is that just me that believes that? Can't blame me for it, though. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you did dope all of the entire ground with sulfurous minerals. I don't know. You know that smell, that Florida water smell when they water the lawns with that Florida water? All too well. Yeah. All too well. Do they have on that side the giant palmetto bugs? First of all, is everything just built in cleared palmetto like it is over in Sarasota, or is it different? Well, I'm actually from North Miami, so I am pretty much in the clear of palmetto bugs, thankfully. Yeah. Oh, nice, yeah. But they're, they're, they make our cockroaches look like... I know. Like, you know, like nothing, like weaklings. I know. Yeah. Uh, although we do have the giant water bugs here in New York that are on the lower floors of our buildings only, and they don't congregate in huge packs. I call them travelers because yeah. they just kind of... You see one, you kill it. You're not worried about infestation because it came somewhere from the pipes down from the depths where the alligators grow. Yeah. Uh, also important. Speaking of water bugs, Dave's covered in water right now. <laughs> I, I biked here and joined uh, in the engineering booth with our old pal Jack Inslee. Hey guys, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Good. So, have uh, we have a bunch of stuff to get to? So I'll just get to it. Although, please do call in your questions to seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. That's seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. Sad news to report. Um, most of you who are plugged into the uh, food uh, internet sphere. Uh, probably already know, but <clears throat> Josh Wazerski died yesterday. Uh, uh, they still haven't figured out uh, kind of uh, 
like why why he died, but he mm-hmm. was found in his hotel room uh, yesterday morning. <clears throat> he was in Chicago actually for the uh, the Beard Awards. He's only forty seven. Very sad, you know. Very <clears throat> very kind of larger than life uh, figure. You know, I've worked with him a couple times over the years on on things. So, uh, you know, yeah, much respect. Yeah, and yeah, uh, he actually did a show here for um, for a while back in two thousand nine and ten. I remember that. Yeah, the Mr. Cutlet show. Yeah, you know, I could tell some. I won't. Maybe eventually, I could tell some crazy Josh stories. Like he's a he was a, he was like a larger than life, a legit kind of larger than life uh, individual. Had a couple of a uh, uh, same early champions as I did, like Jeff Jeffrey Steingarten. Um, yeah, you know, it's just uh, no BS. Crazy. Well. Like, well, it depends on how you define it. I guess he's yeah. he's like you know, like his writing was over the top. He was over the top. Um, anyway, he's definitely going to be missing the food world. So it's a sorry announcement to have to make. Um, <clears throat> so rather than go launching into my normal stuff, why don't you talk? We have a, a museum benefit coming up in uh, next week, actually. Yeah, next Wednesday. <clears throat> so we've got the annual Mofad Spring Benefit Dinner coming up, and uh, well, I'm biased, but I think this is really the most exciting dining event in New York City. Uh, we get uh, this is actually a concept that Dave put together, um, and it's with, with Nastasia with, the Hammer Lopez, with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez and uh, Patrick Martins as Dave wipes <laughs> the moisture off his face. Um, but we get uh, we get eight of the best chefs in the country to come together and put together a meal. But it's not just any kind of meal. We do museum themes like uh, food of ancient Rome or space food or. Uh, what else have we done, Dave? We did caveman food. We uh, that was did, a good one, Wiley. Yeah, Wiley did uh, caveman food. Well, speaking of uh, James Beard and winners, TV dinner. Yep, yep, exactly. TV dinner by Michael Anthony, who just won the James Beard Award for Outstanding Chef. We did Ancient Rome with a whole ostrich by another uh, Mark Wagner, just uh, best chef in New York City, and uh, congrats, Mark. Uh, Tosi did, uh, Chef Christina did uh, space, space food. food. She's uh, just won for Outstanding <laughs> Pastry Chef. So yeah, so we have a lot, of, a lot of big, a lot of big, uh, big people. And uh, you wanna, this, you want to give them a rundown of who it is? Yeah, yeah. So this year we've got a great lineup. We've Don't got, miss an ear, I'll kill you. Yeah, yeah. We've got Aaron Bluedorn uh, from Cafe Balloon. We've got Elizabeth Faulkner. We've got uh, Alex Gornicelli. She's going to be doing What Would Jesus Eat, which I think is really one of the more exciting topics. Um, we've got um, Mads Reslund. One know, of the, but we know what he drinks. We know he turns water into wine when the keg is kicked at the wedding. Yeah, exactly. That we know. <laughs> um, and then I can then turn wine into pee. That's my, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my special Wow, power. we just got in trouble with a whole chunk um, of our listeners there. So there you go. Anyway, and then we have Mads Reslund, one of the co-founders of Noma. And now the, he's at the helm of Acme. He's doing Weeds of New York. We've got Andy Ricker, your friend, my friend, uh, Pock Pock Man, and he's doing rotten, rotten food. And then we've got but remember, uh, like we're giving that because, like, I know for he likes uh, doing things like fermented short ribs and stuff like this. So we gave him and the concept here. But I'll let you finish so you don't forget anyone. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Samuelson, and then we've got uh, what's his theme again? What's his theme? Do, do you oh know? yeah, he's doing so around the uh, the turn of the nineteenth century. The Emperor Menelik, who's one of the most beloved emperors of Ethiopia held all these giant public banquets for 10, 000, over 10,000 people at a time. And so he's doing a meal that uh, is an homage to that. Okay. Uh, then we have uh, Bill Telepan. He's taking on the story of a ancient Sassanite dish called Sikbaj. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but... Nobody um, does. It's old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> um, that title is actually stolen from The Language of Food, uh, which is a, a book out by uh, Jaroski about the his, history of certain, like, a linguistic approach to, you know, yeah. a linguist reads the menu kind of a thing. Yep. Yeah. And then and then we've got Bill Yosis, the former executive uh, pastry chef at the White House, 
taking on the topic when the White House burned, because in 1814, the British troops arrived at the White House to burn it down, but they found, bizarrely enough, a meal laid out for them that was a meal that the pre- President Madison and Dolly Madison, the First Lady, had abandoned in their haste to leave. Of course, they saved right. the portrait of George Washington. Yeah. On the and, and they say Americans aren't polite. We left dinner for them. Exactly, exactly. So they <laughs> ate it, they drank it, then they burned the house down. Um, See, it's the Brits. It's the Brits who caused the problems. Exactly. No offense. I'll be in Britain, actually, next week as well, yeah. right after they benefit. I fly out to London. I'm doing uh, cocktail demos at Zetter Townhouse. Cheers. Um, <laughs> so, Again, now um, you got in trouble with the other half of it. Oh, uh, yeah, there we go. Um, I, my goal is to alienate pretty much everybody, yeah, thanks, uh, except you. Um, and then, so anyway, so tickets, we've just got a handful of tickets left. And, oh, yeah, booze. By none other than some uh, schmuck named Dave Arnold. Yep. Uh, also, maybe a James Beard Award winner. They, they will be James Beard Award winning author's cocktails. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a, the most precise way to, to put it. Yeah, um, uh, Pernod Ricard's giving us a liquor for that. Very we got kind. Pernod Ricard for liquor. We gonna, we're going to have uh, Jeffrey Porter, the wine director at Del Posto, is getting an incredible lineup of wine. We got a uh, sparkling wine, a champagne. We've got, and then Ian Nastasia will be there. Yeah, yeah, Nastasia will be there <laughs> in the corner with a bottle of champagne, yeah. and then uh, we'll have uh, a selection of six wines available during the dinner. Uh, this is going to be essentially a pretty blowout affair at Carnegie Hall, top two floors, yeah. rooftop terrace, looking over the city. Now it's expensive. Yes, it is. It is expensive, <clears throat> but of course it's to support uh, the development of the Museum of Food and Drink, which is itself a worthy cause. But the, the first time in, we did this, we were incredibly stupid. We Charged two hundred and fifty dollars, and how much would you have to pay for that meal if you want to go get it? I mean, there's no price you could pay for it. Right. I mean, so now we're charging something that's like you know we're charging museum style like benefit prices now yeah. because we're older and wiser. But I'll tell you something: <clears throat> the great thing about all these, we'll give them the, we'll give you the price in a minute. Before now, how much would you pay? But the thing is, <laughs> three low low installments. Yeah, yeah, and we can do that. Frankly, we could do that. We could probably do that. The three yeah. low installments. Yeah, we could take the installment plan. Yeah, I'll take the installment. Right yeah. Away, whatever. Anyway, but the point is. Uh, we hopefully also you also get a little uh, like you know a spiel and taste about what we're going to be doing in the museum in the upcoming year uh, directly from Peter's uh, mouth. Uh, but the the way we structure the reason we structure the benefit this way is nine times out of ten uh, you. Well, t- ten times out of ten, really, unless you only go to uh, ten benefits a year and one of them's ours. The uh, <laughs> you know they have a chef come in and uh, the chefs are you know maybe they get a couple of chefs or maybe they have big tastings, but typically the chef is doing something that is a, some version of what you might be able to get at their restaurant. And we do exactly the opposite. It's actually a huge kind of challenge that our chefs uh, take on. It's a huge commitment, which is why we're so grateful to all of the chefs that have done it over the years and the ones that are doing it this year. In fact, uh, I mean, look to see in a bunch of them. We, we invite the chefs who have done it to come just as guests and expect to see some of those heavy hitters there mm-hmm. at, the, at the benefit as well. Um, but uh, you're going to get stuff that they don't cook otherwise. And so you can't really ever buy any of this stuff. You know, it's, like, it's not something that they would ever – yeah. Do normally, so we're making them get out of their comfort zone. Yeah, so w- one night only. I mean, like you know, like the giant ostrich that Mark did. Anyway, now how much would you pay? Yes, exactly. So tickets are seven hundred and fifty dollars a head. Ouch! And uh, I'm this, kidding, this event, man. Yeah. Yeah, look, we're we're trying to build a museum here. Okay, so uh, so seven fifty a head. Uh, it is you know we do put a lot of love into it, and uh, uh, tickets are available at benefit.mofad.org. Um, I think we've only got like ten or eleven tickets left, so. Definitely hop on and get it pronto if you want to go. Um, but definitely the secret ingredient here isn't love, it's money. Yes, yes. Yes, the secret ingredient here is money. Yes, 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 yes yeah. exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, benefit.mofed.org. Nice, all right. 
Uh, and Jack, is our Kickstarter still going? It is. We got seven days left. All right, do your plug. Let's get all the plugs out of the way for for Justino's sake. Yeah, donate, donate, donate. Seven days left, or this website explodes. Are you gonna Are you gonna really just say donate, donate, donate? Yeah. Donate, donate, donate. Sunday. Yeah, like that. That's. I was just baiting you. All right, all right. Here we go. Anyway, uh, yeah. How close are we, Jack? Uh, we're about seven thousand dollars away. So you made half the money from last week, right? And we have seven more days. Yes. People, please. People, please. People, come on, please. Let's do it. Do you want to be able to have a website so that like the stuff that you call in to seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight actually gets put on a website that works and has new and interesting content? I don't know. Do you? Do you, you? see Jack's puppy dog eyes right now? <clears throat> yeah. Jackie Molecules is crying some sweet sweet H two O out of his out of his tear ducts right <laughs> and, now. And you're crying some sweet sweet H two O out of your forehead right now, dude. <laughs> I, I, like enough with the uh, like. I biked here. Enough. Enough. <clears throat> All right. Uh, today is uh, Cinco uh, de Mayo, and f- in, in honor, yesterday, for those of you that uh, listen to this or like uh, follow the tweet, when I was in Mexico uh, a couple of weeks ago, I bought a Nixtamatic grinder, which allows me to make masa, uh, well, better than the Corona, which I detest, <clears throat> and better than the Cuisinart, which I detest for this application, better than... Actually, you made the ride next to mile with me. Yeah. What a pain in the butt that, that was. That was a pain in the bleep, man. Yeah, that, that sucked. Tasted good. Yeah, outstanding. Yeah. And <laughs> half of them went in the trash at the end of the night. Um, people are the worst. You know yeah. something about people, people? They're the worst. <laughs> not you, dear listener, but everybody else. That one next to you who's not listening, he's the worst. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah the worst. Uh, or her. Maybe, maybe she's the worst. I don't know. I don't know who's sitting next to you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, the issue here is that it's hard to get some really interesting uh, corn. So I observed a lot of uh, tortillas, not a lot, but as many as I could while I was working. Tortillas being made in Mexico, came up with my grinder, uh, you know, totally, re- you know, somehow packed it into my bag and got it under the weight limit. You, you ever do that trick when you're putting your bag on the uh, on the scale? I put it on you, the edge and you and you lift a little bit. Yes, with the other hand, like you hold it down, and you lift a little bit. I, I do it on the edge, or I put my knee up against it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's up, Slickster? You yeah, the same man. with me? Yeah, because you know what? They don't know how much they don't weigh me. They don't yeah. know how much I weigh. They don't have a weight limit on me. Why do they put a weight limit on my bag? It's they're they're jerks. Yeah, yeah. I'm buying a grinder. Yeah. You know what I mean? The other trick is like normally when I bring something that's a billion pounds, I'll just put it in my – and I've, I've trained myself over the years to look like I'm carrying a normal weight backpack when I'm in fact carrying like a backpack full of lead bricks. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if you can – if you look like you're like – when you're going through the line, they're like, oh, no, man. We got to weigh that. But if yeah. you just look like you're carrying a bag, you can collapse as soon as you get through security. But like, you're when like you're, that dude just has purple <clears throat> arms. That's yeah, incredible. he's purple. <laughs> you know, his face is white as the driven snow, and his arms are purple. This is absolutely normal. Like you know, you know, he had a body transplant from Grimace or something. But, <clears throat> but you know, nice. that being as it may, uh, the point is, is that you, I couldn't carry. Different countries have different rules about what's kosher, so I probably could have gotten the grinder through American TSA, even though I couldn't get the powder through it because they're usually okay with electric motors. As long as it can't be interpreted as a weapon. But I've had electric motors be problems in Colombia, and no one could tell me with a straight kind of story what the Mexican rules were going to be. So I didn't want a chance, so I had to check it. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Okay. So, uh, Cinco de Mayo. I come back. I want to get the good corn. I was talking last week at the, at the other beards, the one that was here. Uh, with Rick Bayless, and he's like, "Well, where should I get the where should I get the c- good corn from?" He's like, "You idiot, go to go to Macienda." I was like, "Duh," because I know them. Why wasn't I thinking? So I went. In fact, yesterday I did a fast nixtamalization, people. So it's not the best, but <clears throat> expect more to come. I did uh, met up with uh, Jorge um, 
uh, Gaviria from Macienda, who gave me some of the most awesome kind of corns. I was tasting them dry, just really interesting corns. So the one I, I did yesterday was a, a white bolita from Michoacan, uh, which was just had an incredible kind of corn, kind of almost like a almost like a movie theater corn taste mm-hmm. right out of the dry, uncooked. Whoa, that's and, wild. Yeah, so I nixtamalized it yesterday. So now we're, my game, need, I need to get my nixtamatic uh, uh, kind of tuned in more. It needs to be broken in. I need another couple pounds of masa. And I need to get my tortilla press in order, man. I have that Victoria, the regular Victoria tortilla press, and it's just weak. Everyone says it's great, but I look at it, and there's too much slop in the freaking hinge, right? So, like... It pinches it in, a, in an angle. So the tortillas, A, they're too thick on the ones. Even if I double flip them, I'd have to quadruple fe- freaking flip them to get them the way I want. And then I'm always overpressing the one side that's closest to the freaking handle. Why don't they just machine the thing with the right freaking thickness for what I want? So I'm going to have to build some spacers or else get a better press. Because the lady who like did the best that I saw in Mexico, I mean, I didn't see any of the sweet, sweet old you know, abuelitas doing it with the... Yeah, that's wild. The hand pat. That's awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. But... <clears throat> like these guys weren't using the little Victoria like hand press that I was using. They were using two sheets of giant coal roll steel with a, with a, with a big pipe on it, and they were just like bat bat bat, and they were like totally even throughout. So I'm gonna yeah. more on that later over the next couple weeks. I'll talk about it when I get. But in honor of the Cinco de Mayo, I brought in some treats from Mexico for us. Nice. Yeah. So I have. I don't know if I've talked about these before, but uh, these are from Puebla. These are camotes. You know these? No. So apparently <clears throat> these, uh, these nuns, I don't know, Santa Clara, Santa Clara, or something like this. Santa these Clara. nuns use this like, uh, this like fancy sweet potato that grows around Puebla, and it's only made in Puebla. They call it camotes, and they make these sweets with flavors in them. So when we, like, they're different flavors. You can read semi-Spanish so you can tell me. And then, Jack, you can have some of these. And then also I brought in my favorite Mexican confection, Mazapan. Oh, nice. Mazapan is like their take on marzipan, but it's actually made, it's just made with peanuts, and it has a texture of halva. This is what halva wishes it would be. Sorry, all of the Greece and the Middle East. <laughs> this is what halva wishes it could be, for those of you that aren't uh, allergic to the peanut. Are you allergic to the peanut? Not allergic to the peanut, well, have thankfully. Some, have some peanut. Jack, peanut? Peanut product? Love it. Yeah, here, have one. Come take one. Cooking Issues. Recorded in a studio that may contain nuts. Okay. <clears throat> now, let's get to some questions. You like that, right? You try that? You try it? You guys are so slow. I would have finished the whole box by now. Thanks, Dave. I know, man. You do hungry, hungry hippos, but, uh, you know, I like to savor things. Oh, gee, you know what? You jerk. It's so called anything. mindfulness, Dave. It's a new thing. <sighs> jerk. What flavor are you opening? The limon. A limon. I wow. Think. We had to do the smarmy accent. Is that... Is well, that's smarmy. That's just my normal voice, man. Why... <laughs> why I, you know what I like about them? They dry out on the outside, but the inside has like a kind of an awesome kind of a texture. Yeah. They're only made in Puebla, baby. Why don't we take a really quick break now? All right. We'll come right back with some actual questions on cooking issues.
back. And we are back. And we don't have to do a commercial thing because we're brought to us by us. Yeah. How is about that, that? Is that because nobody loves us enough to support us anymore, Jack? No, they love us. We're just switching it up. Cooking right. issues is supported by absolutely nobody. Yeah. Oh, nice. oh that's oh, not true. That's so rough. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, though. I was wondering the other day, who's the largest supplier of uh, heritage and rare breed meats? <laughs> uh, hmm. <laughs> I think it starts with uh, H. Gee, I don't know. I can't place God. it. I can't place it. I can't. I'm I, my tongue, man. I can't. Um, I can't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I am Patrick Martins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Peter, do your Patrick Martins No, invitation. man, you can't have me do that. I uh, can't do I don't know what you're talking about. You're, liar. you're the one who has a good impression. You're a liar. HeritageFoodsUSA.com. That's HeritageFoodsUSA.com. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see, because Patrick would get mad. Yeah, yeah. He's probably calling and saying, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. He's too busy selling, selling meat right now. Selling heritage meats. That's right. All right. Sam Geiger wrote in a while back with Cold Pack Squirrel. That's right, Cold Pack Squirrel. Wants to know, hey, can uh, you discuss the best way to cook squirrel that have been cold pack canned? Thanks, Sam Geiger. Well, Sam. I hate to break this to you, buddy. It's cold pack can. Sucker's already cooked. Yeah. You don't need to cook it again. But I think uh, I was reading actually a lot on um, squirrel, the success of squirrel meat canning. And I've never done it. I knew a guy in, um, I swear to God, I knew a guy in North Carolina who used to pay his landscaping crew in squirrel. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I've only had squirrel in mixed in with stews in North mm-hmm. Carolina. So when you're making a squirrel that way, there's really no way for me to tell you I know what squirrel tastes like. It's like when someone gives you little tidbits of alligator that have been coated in like a half inch of batter and fried to within an inch of its life, right? Right? So like, right. Veronica, what does that taste like? It tastes like fry. Am I right? Exactly. And it's pretty chewy. Yeah. I've had bigger pieces of alligator and it's kind of like, like, like it needs to be really fresh. I had like previously frozen, refrozen, like kept in somebody's like swamp cooler alligator. Mm. Yeah. And in big chunks, you don't want that. Is it like snake? I, for some reason, I imagine it being like snake. Uh, I've only had snake in small chunks with so it tastes oh, like yeah. fry. I've never had like a whole grilled snake. Oh, man. I'm sure it's good. I love snake. Yeah, but it's going to be fresh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's a delicate meat that is abused too much by freezing and refreezing. Yeah, and it's yeah. gonna, that's the only large chunk alligators I've ever ta- cooked, tasted have been cooked that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, but, And similarly with squirrel. I'm going to go ahead and say that I've never, uh, I've never had it in such a way that I know I could say this is what squirrel tastes like. My guess is it tastes like rabbit. I hear that how squirrel tastes is vitally dependent on how it was skinned, whether all the glands have been taken out of the squirrel. Um, that, that said, I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's like uh, I'm sure it's like rabbit. So if you'd use it any way, you would use like a canned kind of a, a rabbit, any kind of a white meat. Strangely, all of the cold pack canning they can in. Um, in, in kind of liquids, not in fat, because I think they're worried about the fat thing, because I think it would be good to have it like riette. I would want, like, mm-hmm. put some pork fat up in that piece and make it riette style, right? Wouldn't that be delicious? Yeah, yeah. If anyone out there has made, hey, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez is here, move my bag, please. Uh, and my helmet, please. Um, <clears throat> uh, I would love to have some squirrel riette. You know what I'd call that? Squirrel riette. Oh, uh, very well. I don't know. You're That's just, a good one. It's not a Piper level pun, no. but it's it's okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the land of New York. Thank you. Well, you're wearing like something very tropical, considering you're just in uh, you were in Chicago, not Hawaii. Did you think you were going to Hawaii? No, I. That's this not is Hawaii. the shirt I bought the day when we were late after moving. Remember? Uh, no, but uh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we're, we're in the process of moving Booker and Dax lab, by the way, up to Connecticut. So. 
Uh, do you have any? Uh, we talked about Mark. Oh, good. We talked about who else did we mention? Christina Tosi. Right. Mike Anthony. Right. Anyone yeah. else we know? Anyone else? Winners? Uh, friends of the friends of the program? No, friends I of think the us? That's oh wait, wait. Wiley got inducted. Into oh yeah, the, he, he, he didn't win. It was it was a slam dunk. That's just like a lifetime achievement. It's still, it's, still it's an accolade. Also, Alan Benton. Alan Benton. But I mean, it was like best bacon is an award. Best bacon is an award. No, no, it was like an America's. If it was, it would be Sam at restaurant. What do you? Oh yeah. Well, it depends what you're using it for, right? Benton's bacon as a culinary bacon, but Sam Edwards isn't eating bacon. Okay, fair enough. And is it, what were you saying? Benton was winning for us? No, it was like the America. He knew he was winning too. It was like a Wiley kind of award. Yeah, you know what? I, whatever. The only time I ever won something like that, they didn't tell me ahead of time. You know so what the worst up. part of this award was? This program. So in Mark's speech, he thanks sobriety at the end, right? Like, what? W- hold on, and then all these other chefs. What? We're like, what? Oh man, I don't think I'm gonna drink tonight, man. This, you know. Oh. So I was like, I can't take a bottle of champagne and a straw now because. Well, it wasn't really a party atmosphere anyway with Josh and everything, right? Or was it? Not everyone knew. I've been in situations like that where people are trying to have a festive thing and something really awful has just happened, and only some of the people know, and it's very. We did have a moment of silence though for (laughs) Homaro. Because they knew that ahead of. Well, he's from Chicago. Yeah. 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 Yeah, <clears throat> bad year for food all the way uh, around. Shaw, too, for me, Gullet was this year, right? I don't know who that is. Yeah. Uh, well, good for paying attention to the world stuff. <laughs> um, he went on after e uh, to be one of the founders of Quirky. Oh, the air conditioning company? They're not an air conditioning company. That's just a You know thing. what I mean, yeah. Yes. <clears throat> uh, okay, next question in from Trudy. Uh, said, hey, Dave. N- oh, yeah, Nastasia. Nastasia, I gave her a whole packet. I have a whole... She's like, I'm, I'm done with the sweet potatoes. I'm done with it. Um, hiya, Dave, Nastasia, and Jack, and now also Peter and Veronica. This is Veronica, by the way, Nastasia. She works with me. Hi. Hi. Nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you. Uh, I have a high look. Uh, this is a good word. I have a hydrocolloid conundrum. I like conundrums. They're good. Uh, I've been trying to invent slash create a frozen moose pudding concoction. A frozen moose pudding concoction. Right? Say that with your, say that with your most snoot toodly. I got a mouthful of Pueblo, man. All right, all right. Puebla. <laughs> I also need to put my monocle on to do that properly. You don't have your planner's peanut monocle <laughs> at all times with you? I usually pack it, but... Monocle packing. All right. <clears throat> Playing around with a combo of agar, xanthan, polydextrose, psyllium, which I've never used. I mean, I know what it is. And flax. Basically everything I have on hand. I haven't been... Like, that's like a juice bar stuff, right? You're down with the psyllium, right? You pay attention to what know. people do. No, I don't pay attention to it. You just... You're the one that tells me all the juice trends. Yeah, I know all the... Yeah, but I don't, <clears throat> I don't know psyllium. What about you? What are you, Veronica? Are you a juice trend person? Are you a juice person? I'm a dessert person. Thank goodness. Dessert. Dessert. God bless dessert. You know that uh, a lot of places now are toning down on desserts because their margins aren't as high. They'd rather flip the tables. Desserts have higher because the ingredients in desserts usually have... You read that article? There's a bunch of articles on this. I didn't, but that's just because I'm not their customer. If I was there, I would I would order enough desserts to make their margins pretty high. So. Yeah. Well, no, but in other words, like, <clears throat> just like chocolate and cream and stuff. It's just expensive stuff. Expensive, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot more expensive than mashed taters. You know what I'm Very saying? true. Taters is cheap. <laughs> um, I don't know what's prompted that right now. <laughs> well, I can walk into a... Like, try to make, like, uh, eh, whatever. I'm just saying... Like you know, this is why this is why that's like one of the most ubiquitous sides is because it's yeah, yeah, free. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, rice, potatoes, beans, all you know, yeah. fundamentally free. I haven't been having much luck though since it always comes out slimy. What's your? Is uh, you hate things that are slimy, Stas? Right? Mm-hmm. Okra. 
Oh my god, Stas. Mm-hmm. Remember this... that ochre that we... Wish. No, it wasn't ochre. That slimy... Oh my god, yeah. the yam? That yeah. Japanese slime yam? What's it called? Oh, Tororo. Doesn't it start with an M? N? Uh, well, there's, there's or... sticky yam that's like grated, and then it's... Yeah, it's No, no but the, the, the whole one is called like na- uh, nine... Oh my god, we had the most like HR unfriendly moment in the French culinary where someone had peeled the entire... It's like a two foot long... Phallus. There you go. And <laughs> and you peel it, and it just self-slimes. Like, it's made out of personal lubricant. Did you smash it, or did no, you No, well, we tried it? holding it. We handed it to Nastasha. She squeezed it and shot it across the room, and it, it exploded against the wall. Oh, God. And everyone was like, oh! Everyone was like, oh! Oh! Like that. That's, pre- yeah. that's pretty much how it went. Uh... <laughs> yeah. See you guys next week on Cooking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, haven't been having much leftovers since it always comes out slimy. See, this is the problem with the show. This is why, like, we like aren't nominated. This is, yeah, because like I say the word slimy, and then for like three minutes we're talking about yams. I got a mental issue. Uh, I'm trying to reduce the xanthan as much as I can since I think this might be the problem. Well, it is. Look, xanthan is some slimy. It's not really slimy. It's snotty. Like, xanthan is, like, snot. And also, like, even in, like, relatively small concentrations. Remember, xanthan is supposed to be used in very small concentrations. In relatively small concentrations, it has that, like, jiggly, that jiggly, like, you know where, like, you twist, like, a, a container of it, and the outside starts rotating, but the center stays still for a minute, and then it, like, j- like it, like, has that back motion, that, like, shoulder flick back motion to it. Its milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. And, and and it's not better than yours, which is weird. <laughs> they come to the yard and they're still like, "No, I'll keep I'll keep I'll keep the other milkshake that I already have." Um, anyways, um, I think the xanthan might be the problem, but I can only reduce it so far before there's no more thickening effect. See, here's the thing: you shouldn't really use xanthan as a thickener. You should use xanthan as a uh, as a stabilizer, right? <clears throat> not an emulsifier, but a stabilizer. Uh, well, I'll finish reading your thing before I get it, because I have this terrible habit of just going off into tangents. It's like I can't get rid of them. Sorry. I don't say it. This is why, you know, they have me write a book, because there you're forced to follow some sort of linear thing. If you go to tangents, at least, like, you can put them in footnotes or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. Uh, <clears throat> I also have agar. Agar, agar. But I'm not sure how to throw that into the mix. I have yet to use any eggs, since I'm trying to keep it vegan. Vegan face. <laughs> what? Uh, Stas, you just, you know. I know. Okay. I was so happy you made it here, but then you disappointed me with the lack of <laughs> vegan face. You know what I mean? Uh, I want to keep it vegan, if doable. I know this posed problem lacks specifics, but I just want to learn more about what gums will help and which won't, since I'm really fascinated by hydrocolloids in general. I've also been wondering about guar gum. Is this redundant if I already have xanthan? No, it is not. Um, thing with guar is, uh, so guar is very closely related to locust bean gum, but, uh, Guar used to be cheaper. Now that fracking is there, it's not. But gu- bad guar has a very specific beany taste, and um, it tastes like uh, like um, not ch- uh, black eyed pea flour. You ever had b- black eyed pea flour? Mm-hmm. Anyway, there are certain like African dumplings made with black eyed pea flour, and uh, so I used to have black eyed pea flour around, and uh, it tastes like ground up bl- dried black eyed peas. Right, right, which is okay if that's what you want, yeah. but not. If you don't. It has a distinctive flavor, yeah. Yeah, which is unpleasant in ice cream, let's say. Right. So you have to get a higher, more purified form of uh, guar called flavor-free guar. And you can get that from a couple places. The one I use is from TIC Gums, flavor-free guar NT1000 or 4000 or something. It's been a long time since I've had to buy it because it lasts a long time. 
uh, Konjac. I haven't used a lot of Konjac. Konjac, a lot of people use it, but I haven't used it a lot, uh, which I just got a small amount of. I have yet to test. Gelan, uh, methylcellulose, CMC, gum arabic, and locust bean gum. Will any of these help? So these are like a long list of different hydrocolloids. Each has their application here. <clears throat> uh, which would you prioritize in terms of usefulness in the kitchen? I can't afford all of them, and so I'm looking to equip myself with the best Swiss Army knives. Okay. First hydrocolloid that I'd learned to use 100% inside, outside, upside down is agar. Why? Because it's super friendly. You can buy it anywhere, um, and it can do a lot. And so for, for your situation, you could either do a light set agar, right? So you could whip it into a, uh, into a mousse with a light set agar and then let it set, right? And when it'll set, it'll gel uh, in that mousse form. You use a small amount of agar, and you can get a really nice texture, like 2%. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, 0.2%, uh, 2 grams in a uh, – 2 grams per liter of agar will give you a nice, like, very easy-to-break gel that will just hold that gel there uh, while it's been foamed up after it sets. And it sets at a relatively – Gelan probably even better for that. And you could use roughly the same amount because Gelan sets faster than agar does, but both of them will work. Agar, not freeze-saw-stable, which is good. Why? Because when it melts in your mouth, right, the structure of the agar will be obliterated because it's not freeze-saw stable. So that's good. But um, then <clears throat> things like guar can stop uh, – when it's frozen, there's still liquids in there uh, because you haven't fully frozen it because if you did, it would be hard like a rock, which it's not. So things like guar will act as a kind of a stabilizer to stop the liquids and solids from separating from themselves. Xanthan will act as also in a similar way to uh, the light agar would act as a kind of thin gelling agent. Don't use enough xanthan for it to actually be a thickener. Use it like very low percentages, like a quarter of a percent, like two and a half grams per liter, something like that, just to add a little bit of extra uh, set, like a yield point to the, uh, to the thing. What I recommend is this. Go on, I don't agree with everything he says, uh, obviously, but go on Martin Lersch's website, which is Kymos, download the latest version of his hydrocolloid thing, and then just flip through uh, zillions of, his, of the recipes that he crabs from all over the internet and all people and kind of get a feel for what you like, try one or two of them, see what you think. I definitely don't agree with all of the with all of it uh, by any standard, but <clears throat> go check that out, and obviously check out. Uh, there's huge uh, custard and pudding sections in the modernist cuisine, and if you don't own it, you know there are still some reasons for the local library. Did you know that? Yeah, you can. For instance, if you don't own modernist cuisine, you can go there yeah. and look at it. Right. Yeah. Although I've you, got a patient caller on the line. Patient caller, you are on the air. Kyle calling from. Los Angeles, and hey. I have a question about uh, pina coladas. Oh, nice. Pina coladas. All right. What do you got? Back. Uh-oh. Do um, we do it? Yeah. Oh, there we go. You know, use uh, Coco Lopez, right? Yep. And um, if I don't want to use that, let's say I want to, like, try and make my own at home or add something to, like, coconut cream, um, I'm wondering what I could add. Like, should I just kind of add the chemicals on the back of the container, or is there anything you'd recommend? Yeah, so... By the way, for a while we thought we'd start calling Nastasia Coco Lopez, but she didn't like it, so we stopped. <laughs> uh, but the I might have to pick that one up. Yeah. So okay, the first thing you need, obviously, is um, you're going to need like a very fatty, like a coconut milk product, very fatty, <clears throat> and you're also going to need so you want it thick, a lot of sugar, and you're going to need a stabilizer. Now, uh, coconut fats in drinks are have for me been notoriously difficult to stabilize fully um 
using like the normal stuff that I normally use, which would be like mixtures of gum arabic and xanthan. I haven't looked at the back of a can of coconut cream in a long time, so I'm not sure. What do they use? Do you do you have one on you? Do you know what what they use? So there's um, coconut sugar, water, polysorbate, sixty sorbitan mono, saturate, um, propylene glycol, alginate mono, and diglycerides, emulsifier, citric acid, water gum, locust bean gum. Bam! That is quite a list. Wow. Uh, that's yeah. hard, that's hardcore. Uh, well, and the reason it's hardcore is because coconut fats are difficult to stabilize in uh, low, te- especially in low temperature drink applications. I don't think you need to go that hardcore because they don't need to stay emulsified that long. <clears throat> I would. So obviously they're adding an emulsifier and also a several stabilizers several emulsifiers and several stabilizers you could try using what i use which is just a mixture of gum arabic and uh mostly gum arabic which you're using as an emulsifier and xanthan but it's not going to stabilize fully how long does it need to stay there just for like uh, 20 minutes or like the time it takes to yeah i'm gonna have to uh, so of that list some of them need to be cooked and some of them don't, right? And so presumably if you're going to go through all the trouble, you don't want to cook the hell out of it because you want to have a fresh kind of a flavor, right? Yeah, I would guess. So it's like, uh, <clears throat> huh, it's a tough problem. We had a coconut. I'll tell you what. At the bar, we finally came up with a recipe for a stabilized coconut like orgeat that we used. I'll figure out exactly the ratios I use. Can, Jack, can you remind me to uh, talk about it on the next program? And I'll just give you the recipe the next week on the air. Does that sound good? Yeah. You still have them? I think he's got them. Anyway. That's great. Thanks for that. All right, cool. So we'll, we'll, we'll get that recipe for you. And I'll, I'll either tweet it on cooking issues or we'll, we'll put it out on the air next week. All righty? All right. Um, okay. So the other question we had uh, from Trudy uh, was... Regarding fish bloodlines, I don't have a problem with the taste of the fish bloodline since I actually like the fishiness, but I was wondering what this part of the fish is actually composed of. Is it basically uh, proteins and water? Um, that's what uh, jellified pig's blood consists of when I used to eat it at Chinese restaurants. Why do you no longer eat it? Why do you, do you have a different Chinese restaurant? What, do you, what are your thoughts on the pig blood, Pete? Pete, Peter? <laughs> I like pig blood. Yeah? Yeah. You like right. it a pig blood? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Status? Yeah. I don't. Ha- I've never had it. Also, big fan of boudin noir. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, that's good stuff. Totally different, though. Yeah, yeah, totally different. You know what? I like it when it's got enough. I don't like it when it's so freaking rich. I like it when it's got like enough stuff in it that's not like so rich. Like when you're just eating like a block of just like ba- with the bound with the least amount of stuff. Blood is just too much for me. Yeah. So actually, there's uh, I think it's Hungarian. They make the, a version of the blood sausage with rice in it, right? Yeah. It, it just helps to sort of cut it and make it not as rich. That's yeah, pretty, yeah, it's good. Funny. What about Miami? Got a lot of blood sausage down there in Miami. I don't know if we do, but I definitely haven't had it. Yeah, so yeah. Can't speak for my people. No, the north, the north Miami, the north Miami. They don't have it. Mm-hmm. She's from Miami, by the way. Mm, I have a friend from somewhere. There. <laughs> <laughs> wow, strong, strong words. That's that's Stas trying to be nice people. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm yeah. in Miami. Right. Uh, okay. Is there anything in it that is bad for my dad who has uh, heart heart health issues? Um, Okay, um, let me get to it. So what you should do uh, is, 
I will just read this to you. You can find it. It's called Fish and Seafood Composition and Nutritional Aspects uh, in the document Seafood Product Teacher's Research Guide by Jacqueline Wheeler. It's available as a PDF on the University of uh, Rhode Island's website. And uh, by the way, what we're talking about, we're talking bloodline. I assume we're talking the same thing. We're not actually talking about blood. So when you're talking about clearing the actual blood out of a fish, you're talking about, oh, my God, by the way, don't let me forget if I have time. Shad, shad season. Does anyone out there, does anyone out there know how to bone a shad? There is an old, there's an, well, let me finish this. So crickets, remind me. Crickets, crickets. You guys are, Peter, Peter, you're the worst. You know, <laughs> I love you in the way that you're the worst. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm going to re- just read you this page, Trudy. Uh, fish muscle, we're talking about the muscle that's along the outside of the fish, and that's basically kind of a uh, fat storage uh, mechanism for fish, especially ones that swim hard. So white fish, fish that have less of that bloodline along the side of them, tend to store almost all of their fat in their liver, whereas fish that have a larger, what they call bloodline on the side, tend to store a lot of uh, st- stuff there. So it's just different compositions, not actually blood. But so, And so here I will quote, from uh, I'll quote fr- from section seven a dark muscle and white muscle. Fish muscle does not have a uniform color. This is my reading voice. Nice. Yeah, I like it. Uh, some muscles are white, while others have a reddish or brown color. This dark color is usually observed just under the skin. The proportion of dark to white muscle differs continuously from head to tail. The portion also varies between species, increasing with the swimming activity of the fish and sometimes approaching forty eight percent of the body weight. There are often differences in the chemical composition of dark and white muscles with respect to protein and lipid contents. The dark muscle has greater concentrations of hemoglobin and myoglobin than the white muscle. The presence of dark muscle is related to the activity of the fish. Those fish that swim continuously throughout their lives usually have a larger proportion of dark muscle than those who often rest on the sea bottom. It appears that white muscle controls short spurts and darting movements, while dark muscle is used for slow, continuous movement. When freezing fish, the dark muscle is sometimes removed in order to prolong the storage life of the fish. The dark muscle spoils faster because it contains hematin compounds which can act as pro-oxidants. It has been observed that dark muscle oxidizes 100 times faster than white muscle. Therefore, consumers should be careful not to store dark muscle fish for long periods since adverse flavor changes may occur due to oxidation. This is how you put your kids to bed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. No, that's awesome. That, I, I didn't know that, man. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, you see, and sometimes, like, rather than just paraphrasing, better just to read the damn thing. Yeah, of course. I mean, that was just a... That that's was actually a, really well... It was well-written, well yeah. tightly-packed chunk of knowledge there. Yeah. Right? And she finished up on another note. I want to thank you for your podcast. It's officially my favorite thing to listen to right now. Man, you, uh, it, it's gratifying, but also I'm horrified that, like, there's nothing better than, than us. <laughs> yeah, right? What a world we live in. Yeah. What a world. What a world. Like, for, for those of you that watch uh, <laughs> Wizard of Oz a lot. Uh, it's my favorite thing to listen to right now. I was going through a stressful time in life when I first discovered you, so you really helped me pull, pull uh, through it all. Well, thank you very much. Uh, unfortunately, I only recently discovered you, so I'm still at the 2012 episodes and going through them chronologically. Wow. So hopefully my question isn't an old one you've already tackled, and hopefully I'll catch the answer in time. Uh, okay, so we got time, right? We got any time? You have two minutes. Go. Ah! I have more questions than I can get to. Uh, let me see. I got, I got two left. I'll hit some vegetti. Okay. Did I answer enough real cooking questions? Can I hit some vegetti on the way out? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to get, uh, Joel, next time I'm going to get your oil question and, um, 
Oh, Monty. Uh, Monty from Jacksonville, Oregon, wrote in. Uh, he was asking about Douglas fir tips. Remember I told you uh, whether you should use the new tips uh, or the old uh, things? And I said I was going to test hemlock over the weekend. I didn't have an opportunity to. But he tested it, and he says, old, old uh, Doug fir needles, bitter, nasty brew, young ones, sweet, citrusy, uh, delicious brew. So that, nice. was, that was his. He answered his own question, so that gave me some, awesome. which is a shame because I have a bunch of research here to mention about it, but I didn't. Uh, and uh, we're going to get to uh, Ellie on the next uh, one on his uh, on his corn and oil uh, cocktail. So we will we will just talk about some. Uh, Brandon wrote in, "Hey Hammer Dave, Jackie Molecules et al. Nice. After following uh, the Vegetti Chronicles of the past few weeks, I thought I'd send you my thoughts on spiralized vegetables, which is by the way the technical term. Yeah, spiralized vegetables. Though I don't have a Vegetti, well I th- should think not. You're a dude." Mm. I'm kidding. I'm go- going back to the double entendre. Wow. There's yeah. big, there's big debates yes. uh, among our listeners over when she realized <laughs> when she realized what was going on. And some people say never. Some people say like three quarters of the oh, way through. Really? Some people say that she knew at the start. Anyway, no, she no, didn't no. know. Didn't well. Uh, though <laughs> though I don't have a Vegetti, I do have the Perderno Spiralizer. And by the way, that's the one that's kind of the Japanese style one that looks like uh, it's like a, on a slide, and you can do that. I actually have one of those too, but I have it set up to do um, sheets, like spiral sheets, and that's how I do potatoes for pizza. Mm. So potatoes for pizza, I don't want them in little strippy doodles. Like I don't want them, you know, spiralized. I want like those thin, curly sheets, very thin, almost like. Uh, Potato chip thickness, thin potato, like lay style potato chip thickness, but like in long, long spirals. And you just toss those uh, salt, pepper, oil, and then those on a pizza cook up just the right amount. Do you like thick pizza on a Do you like thin? Uh, do you like thick, thick potato on a pizza or thin? I don't like potato on pizza. What? Oh, you don't like you don't like Sullivan Street's potato. Oh yeah, I don't get that one. <sighs> Peter, what do you like? Uh, <laughs> I like potato on pizza, but maybe. thick or thin. Oh, both ways, man. I'm not a huge fan of the mashed potato because it weighs it down too much. It's leaden. The thing I like about a thin potato is that it's, like, thin. It doesn't weigh down the crust. I mean, when I've made pizza at home, I don't do, like, potato chip thin, but I'll go on, like, uh, you know. He's holding his hands up. You're on a radio. I know, I know. But I don't know. Like, that's what? Like, a millimeter? Yeah, how do they do it in North Miami? How do you like your potato pizza in North Miami? I've never had potato pizza. This oh. is news to me. Hustino. Yeah. Hey, Dave. All right, wait, 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 wait. Hey, all, right, all right, I'm almost, I'm almost, all right. Uh, oh, my God, so this is too long. All right, Brandon, yeah. I'm going to get back. We'll talk more about spiralized vegetables. We'll start with it next week. Cookie issues. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.